This is the Byron Bledsoe podcast, senior pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Some time ago, Angie and I were at Publix and we'd just come out of the store and there was a husband and wife and they were, I assume they were husband and wife. They were obviously having an argument. And in that argument, it was escalating, and I, I didn't pay attention. It's one of those things where you see it happening, and you're trying not to pay attention, but you can't help but hear what's going on. And finally, I hear him say to her, as we're walking, we just passed him, he says to her, you need to calm down. <laughs> when he said that, I thought, you just made the stupidest mistake any man could ever make. That, that statement, making that statement to your wife, girlfriend, whoever she is, that's going to work about as well as trying to baptize a cat. Like you're in for a bigger fight now. But what happened was the anger had just escalated. Have you noticed we're living in an angry culture? Have you noticed everybody's angry about something? In fact, are you angry? What makes you angry? It seems like with every month that goes by, we get angrier and angrier and angrier. And it feels like everybody's just kind of right on the edge, ready to be angry and pounce on somebody else. And maybe it's driving in traffic. Maybe you pop by Waterford, you're going to Chick-fil-A, and you notice that the traffic backs up both ways. The store does an incredible job. Or maybe you're trying to get to Best Buy and you can't get through because everybody's backed up. And have you ever seen the angry driver just kind of jump in the other lane and say, who cares, and just plow through because it doesn't matter? We live in an angry culture where it seems like everybody's always just kind of right there just on edge, right there, all the time. And then one of the things we want is we want our homes, our relationships to be peaceful. But your home can't be healed unless you get healed. And when we live in anger, it's like we're asking God to fix things while we're contributing to the problem. And I think as parents, if you're a parent, one of the things we have to recognize, your kids will learn how to process anger from how you process anger. And if if you're not calm when you get upset, you can't expect your kid to be calm in the classroom when they get upset. And so as parents, we have that, that opportunity to really show, hey, here's how you process anger. Here's how you deal with anger. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, in your anger, do not sin. God knows we're going to get angry. It's an emotion he gave us. But that means it's possible to be angry and not sin. The verse says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So where is it in your life? That, that, the picture of that verse is you've got your entire house secure, your alarm is on, everybody's saved, but you've left the front door cracked just a little bit where the devil can stick his foot in, pry it open. You've left an opportunity for the enemy to get into your life, your relationships, your family, and create a problem just because you stayed angry. So have you been angry for five years over something that took just five minutes? What are you holding on to and bringing into your todays that happened in your yesterdays? Because when you're angry, when I'm angry, the people that we love the most, they don't see our compassion They don't see our love. They don't see our creativity. They don't see our thoughtfulness. So how long has it been since the people who love you have seen you, not the angry version of you? 
Because I think anger is one of the hardest things to get out of our heart. Because it always has a reason. Have you ever noticed anger? Your anger, my anger, we always feel like it's justified. You may or may not have a concealed carry permit. I I don't know. But I know many people seem to live like they think they have an unconcealed anger permit. To you, your anger is always justified. There's always a reason. It's always okay for you to be as angry as you are about what happened and to act however you're acting about what happened. I have a reason. They didn't treat me right. I was overcharged. They were talking bad about me. Somebody else who's less qualified got the promotion. Do you know how my wife acts? Do you know how my husband acts? We, we always have a reason. But we can get so caught up in being right that we forget to be loving. And as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be known for our love, and not just our love when it's easy to love, but in choosing love in the moments that it's hard to love. So I wonder today, are you losing some things because you're still angry? Are you losing some people because you're still angry? Are you losing yourself because you're still angry? One of the greatest examples, obviously, of how to process anger is Jesus. Jesus got angry, but in his anger, he did not sin. Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Now that last part of that verse is kind of weird. It's talking about how Jesus got angry at what was happening at the temple during worship and how the, they were overcharging for the, for the change in currency or they were overcharging buying animals for the sacrifice and they were making an exorbitant profit. There's all this detail about how he gets angry and then the verse says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Now I think there are a couple things you need to know. If you're somebody that wrestles with anger, if you're somebody that deals with anger on a regular basis, please don't, don't take comfort in the fact that Jesus got angry. Don't, don't sit there and think, oh, see, even Jesus got angry. Do you think Jesus is known for how much he loves people or how angry he got? He's known for how much he loves people. This is a moment where he gets angry. And we're going to talk about what that looks like, but that was not his default position. In reality, Jesus deeply loved people. He's known for how he deeply loves, not how passionately he gets angry. That's just who Jesus was. And when Jesus got angry, here's what's fascinating to me. It was in response to others being mistreated. Jesus never got angry. Do you notice in scriptures how many times Jesus is hated? How many times he's mocked? How many times they try to attack him? Obviously, he's betrayed. In everything that's done to him, he never gets personally angry about what's done to him. He gets angry about what's being done to others. See, the reason the money changers were such a big deal, this is where people would come as an act of worship in that culture, and and they would offer sacrifices, And so maybe they would offer doves. Well, if they didn't have doves, especially people that were poor in society, people that didn't have a lot of means, they would come and they would bring what they had and they would try to buy one or two doves there to be able to sacrifice. But these money changers were charging them exorbitant rates. So instead of four pence, it would cost 75 pence to be able to buy two doves. That's what Jesus was angry about. It wasn't that, hey, 
Y'all selling some C3 t-shirts. That's fine. It was about the way people were being ripped off who were coming trying to worship and the people who were being ripped off were the poorest in society. And so Jesus' response, you look at any time he got angry, it's to other people being mistreated. So you, is your anger because you're offended or because somebody else is being mistreated? Also, I noticed when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, not people. Jesus, the Bible says, he comes in and he flips the table. A moment of intense anger. But he didn't flip people. Why did he flip the table? I think it's because the table represented the system that was harming people. The system that was hurting people. The system that was making it difficult for people to, to worship, to offer sacrifices. And Jesus was angry with the system. But he loved people. You think about the people that betrayed Jesus. Whether it's the Pharisees or Judas or Peter. Think about Peter, one of the disciples who betrayed Jesus. Jesus didn't like what Peter did. And Peter was wrong. But Jesus didn't cancel Peter. In fact, in the book of Acts, the story of the church booming on earth and taking off... Peter is the guy that preaches the first message where tons of people become Christ followers after he betrayed Jesus and done wrong. See, Jesus doesn't have an approach of canceling people. He cancels sin. And so he flipped the table because the system was hurting people, but he didn't flip the, table, the people. Another thing I noticed when Jesus got angry, he did something helpful, not hurtful. That, that last little part of the verse that doesn't seem to make sense In verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Because he was so moved with compassion, he got angry at people being hurt, but at the same time, he wanted to do something about it. How many times do we get angry and we just pop off about stuff and we talk about stuff and we find people we agree with and work each other up or we find people we disagree with and we go to argue, but we're not really doing anything. Jesus, when he got angry, he did something helpful not hurtful. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Hey, in this culture, in this season, there's a lot of anger. There are people on both sides and many sides of almost every issue. And we're learning somehow in our culture to turn up the volume and be as loud as we can about what we think. And often in our anger, We're not flipping tables. We're flipping and canceling people. And we're discounting and disconnecting people that God loves. Because you do understand. There are going to be things when this life is over that you discover you were right about. And there are going to be things just like me when this life is over you discover you were wrong about. And if you lead anything, you're going to have people get angry with you. It's just part of what, if you're a manager, if you lead a team, if you lead a classroom, you're going to have people get upset with you. In everything we've walked through, there are people on one side that would say to me as pastor of C3, man, I, I can't believe, I can't believe with the pandemic that y'all started having gatherings again and y'all are meeting. I can't believe what's happening in the state of Florida where people are being encouraged to open up. Other states are keeping things shut down. I can't, I can't believe, man, f- follow, follow the science. Do you see what's going on? And they're getting angry about it. And then there are other people, man, I, 
I can't believe you didn't figure out a way to meet back when we couldn't meet. I, I, I can't believe, man, worship is so important and seeking God is so important. And scripture tells us as the church that we're supposed to gather. I, I can't believe we didn't meet for 10 months. I can't believe we rolled through a season like that. You should have done a better job finding somewhere for us to be able to meet. Hey, so much of it's driven by anger. And so much of what we take in determines how we feel and think. And we've gotten really, really good at taking in only what our side agrees with. Only what people that think like us have to say. The whole issue of wearing masks. You've got people that say, man, you need to have a mask on. You need to have two masks on. And there's the mask Gestapo that if you don't have mask on, they're going to annihilate you. And they're angry. But then there's another group that's angry because they've seen the videos of the guy that wears not just one mask, but two masks, breathing in the cold, and all of his air is coming out all around it. And they're pointing to a lot of research saying, hey, masks mask are not going to solve this. What are we doing? And they're angry. And we need to remember in our anger, wherever you stand, what's going to change and reach and influence a world is love, not anger. There are going to be people in this life that you and I disagree with. If we look at the example of Jesus, he got angry when people were being mistreated. But he didn't just get angry, he did something about it. And so I think in these days, what what an extremely divided world needs is a passionately united church. Because we have the answer. Notice Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. For he, speaking of God, forgave all our sins... He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Hey, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that Jesus canceled my sins, not me. Hey, if you're a Christ follower, you know the scripture teaches that what we wrestle against is not other people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That our enemy is not people. And in this culture that likes to shut down people that disagree with us. What if we open up opportunities to influence? What if instead of being angry that somebody disagrees, we try to understand their perspective and we sit down and we listen to their perspective and then earn the right to be heard? See, when you cancel people, you cancel your influence in their lives. And I don't find anywhere in Scripture that God writes people off. And so as Christ followers, we need to set the pace. We need to be unified in love. And they're going to be people that are passionate about different things. Some people are passionate and angry about sex trafficking, and they're, they're on a mission to fight that. Some people are passionate and angry about uh, uh, the, the unborn being harmed, and, and, and they're trying to do something about that. There are all these issues that we can be passionate about based on how we're wired, but let's be unified in our love for people and for doing something about what we're passionate about in a loving way. Colossians 2.15 says, In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. One of the things that anger does, and one of the things that anger will damage in your life and my life faster than anything else, is not just our relationships, but our worship. See, anger quiets your worship because worship requires opening up. I'm not talking about just singing. I'm talking about an attitude of worship, the worship that you may have when you're driving down the road in your car, you're listening to worship music, or maybe you're in a moment of prayer. 
Worship requires opening up. It requires being open to God. And anger keeps you shut down and closed off. So when was the last time you opened yourself up to God and what He wants to do, not just for you, but in you? Hey, this morning, I I know you came to this moment to watch and be a part of online church. But I wonder if you'd let the church come to you this morning. I wonder if you'd let God speak to you this morning, if you'd be willing to open up to what God wants to do in your life. And what is that area of anger that you've been personally offended and maybe too easily offended? And where's the area where you need to begin to love people more than you love how you're right about certain things? And would you be willing to open up and and maybe consider that through loving people, you and I earn the right as we care about them authentically and genuinely to be heard and that your influence will increase. See, love, love is what removes the frustration. As long as you're angry, you you remain frustrated because you don't know why people aren't listening to you. It's because you're angry. If you would take a different approach and ask God to help you with your anger and love people the way Jesus did, man, flip some tables, not some fingers. Flip some tables, not some people. Cancel people's mistakes, but don't cancel them. Somebody lives a life where they're trying to help people and trying to make a difference, and they make one mistake in a statement. Maybe it was an error. Maybe they meant it and they were wrong. Maybe they misstated. Maybe they didn't have all the information, and we just write them off. Man, thank God he doesn't do that toward us. Let's represent Jesus well. Let's live like Jesus and love people. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for what your word teaches us and your example, Jesus, about how to deal with anger. And I pray that as we roll through this week, you would help us to see people the way you see people, that we would love people. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe maybe today you know that the greatest need of your life is to give your life to Jesus. The, the anger, maybe it's something else, it's not anger, but whatever it is, you, you've tried to deal with it, you've tried to overcome it, you've tried to be the best version of you, but you still find yourself so lacking. The only way you can be who God created you to be is through a relationship with Jesus. That's how it works. Only God can do in you what you can't do in you. Only God can do in me what I can't do in me. So if you'd like to commit your life to Christ today, just pray this simple prayer. Just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life, forgive my sin, and help me to live for you. In his name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to know that. I want to invite you just to shoot me a text. Just your first name, send that to 407-487-8311. Shoot me the text, because I'd love to be able to pray for you by name this week. I'd love to be able to send you a free gift. And so shoot me that text and know that, that man, I am and our team is celebrating with you in the decision you made to become a follower of Jesus. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at giveC3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.